This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, in last week's episode, we talked, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the, like, four different categories of plot holes, and we broke right before we were getting ready to talk about the, the rules for fixing those. Before we get on to the rules, do you want to give us a quick recap of the four different types of plot holes? Yes, and I also want to recap what our working definition of a plot hole is. So first, the definition, which is a plot hole is any factual character or logic error upon which a story depends and which, if corrected, would cause one or more story threads to unravel. And the four categories that I broke them down into is, first, poor audience attention, reading comprehension, which it's not really technically a plot hole, but if enough of your audience is perceiving it something as a plot hole, then it is. It needs to be treated as one all the same. The second type was unintentional slips in which an author mixes up or forgets details or loses track of their characters or objects in time, space, and place, which is a very small type of plot hole, which is very easy to fix. So we're not going into a lot of detail on that. The third was unintentional or intentional errors due to being misinformed or uninformed about how the world works. And that's a much bigger plot hole, but which can't be fixed through tutorial and for which we I offered the advice of questioning your assumptions, double-checking things you think you know, and recognizing the high probability that you live in a thought bubble, because we all do, and that curiosity is the best way to puncture that. And the fourth, which is the big one, which is where we're spending the most of our time here, is on unintentional or intentional errors due to not fully thinking through all the potential repercussions or alternatives or ripple effects or arguments against a particular action or detail. All right. Well, that is a great recap. So let's move on with the rules. Awesome. Rule number one. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Rule number two. The best way to fix a plot hole is to avoid creating it in the first place. Rule number three. Always resolve plot holes in the simplest, easiest, cleanest way possible. That's it. Those are the rules. One, two, three. By the time we're finished, though, you're not only going to understand what those rules mean, you'll also have an intuitive sense of how to follow them. So let's go back over them one at a time. So rule number one, don't make it harder than it needs to be. This rule exists to remind you to stay out of your own way. Because until you've internalized this process well enough for it to come to you naturally, your automatic default will be to make things difficult. 
So it helps to be aware of that from the beginning. Rule number two, the best way to fix a plot hole is to avoid creating it in the first place. But the techniques that I'm about to get to are even more beneficial if you use them at the story building stage than in the story fixing stage. So if you're able to take advantage of that and use them as you're building your story, you'll save yourself the time and frustration of having to do the same thing after you've already written the story. Rule number three, always resolve plot holes in the simplest, easiest, cleanest way possible. So is the simplest, easiest, cleanest solution going to be the best solution? I honestly don't know. But what I do know is that if you're dealing with plot holes, it means you've already, A, written a story, or B, a chunk of one, or C, you are well on your way to plotting one out. And to get to any one of those stages in story development, you'll have already invested a considerable amount of time and effort. And having done all that work, do you really want to go back and restructure and rewrite if you don't have to? Unless you're a masochist or unless keeping your manuscript in a perpetual state of improvement is your preferred technique for avoiding having to face your fear of rejection and failure, which is what you will face once that manuscript is finished, then the obvious answer is going to be, well, no, not if I don't have to. So then the question becomes, will restructuring and rewriting your story to fix its existing plot holes make your story better or just different? If your answer is better, well, then by all means, ignore number three, rule number three and just restructure away. But if all you're going to end up doing or all you'll end up with as an end result of all that work is just making your story different, what benefit is there of taking that harder, more complicated and time consuming path? If you don't have a compelling answer for why difficult is better, then the easiest way is probably the right one. And so that's why our rule states always resolve plot holes in the simplest, easiest, cleanest way possible. You can make it harder later if you want to, but go with easy first. So how do we find the simplest, easiest, and cleanest plot hole solution? And here's where things get fun. To show you how this is done, we're going to need a a plot hole to use as a working example, and B, a small amount of visualization. So first, let's start with the very cliched, overused, eye-roll-worthy plot hole in which a character does the exact opposite thing a rational person would do in that same scenario. So if you've ever read or seen or heard or heard of a story in which someone is staying in a cabin out in the woods and they hear a noise at night and they go out into the dark to investigate it alone, empty-handed and barefoot in their pajamas, you know what I'm talking about. So for our particular version of this plot hole, we're going to make our character a woman who is on the run from some dangerous people. We'll give her a team who's trying to help her and a plot line in which the only way they can help her is by using her as bait to draw the bad guys into a trap. So to do this, they put her up in a hotel 
And then the entire team spreads out to watch the perimeter to see who shows up. Since she's been checked in under an alias, the bad guys don't know what room she's in. So as long as she stays inside that room and doesn't go anywhere, she'll be safe. We may or may not leave her with strict instructions to call a team member if she sees anything suspicious and that the only under the direst life and death circumstances should she even consider leaving that room. Personally, I'm inclined to leave that type of stuff unspoken because like what kind of idiot does a character have to be to have to have that spelled out when there are people hunting for her to kidnap and torture and kill her? But, you know, maybe this is one of those stories where we have to state the obvious, whatever. Either way, in this same scenario, a rational person who does not want to be tortured or murdered would barricade themselves in that room and count down every long minute waiting for the people keeping her safe to come back. But our plot requires that this character be kidnapped. And so to facilitate the plot, our character decides that she needs to leave the room for something. Maybe she's hungry and wants a snack. I don't know. Maybe she forgot something in the trunk of her car. Whatever her reason, she tells herself, oh, it's going to be quick. It'll be harmless. But of course, it's not harmless because bad guy spots her and she gets kidnapped and all sorts of horrible things happen before she can get free again. So we know this is a plot hole because, A, for that behavior to violate the story's established lo logic, she has to be behaving irrationally for who the character is as well. So I probably should, should have put in there that she's not a very um, adventurous person. She's a fraidy cat, afraid of her own shadow, whatever. In that case, her leaving the room for whatever reasons, huge logic error in the character and in this story's established logic, right? And it's the second part too, is if we fix that error, she's not going to leave the room. She's not going to be kidnapped and the story doesn't work. So. We're going to call this the, if she hadn't done that very stupid thing that no rational person would have done, none of those bad things would have happened, plot hole, that plot hole. That's what this is. If she had not done that very stupid thing, no rational person, that no rational person would have done, none of those bad things would have happened. You'll see it in stories everywhere. So now we need to set up a little visualization. And for this, you're going to need to imagine, or if you struggle with um, creating mental images, if you've got aphantasia or anywhere close to that, maybe doodle these two very simple images side by side. It's really going to help a lot if you can actually get these pictures in your head or see them on paper as we continue on in this discussion. So your first image, it's going to go on the left. It's the left side of this two image, I don't know what you call it, but little picture, right? Your first image goes on the left, and it is an arrow that's pointing to the right. Your second image goes to the right of that arrow, and it's a square. So now, if you've done this correctly, you should have a mental image or a doodle of an arrow pointing to, the squ to a square on its right. If your square is really, really tiny, maybe make it a little bit bigger so it's blocking the arrow. So that arrow, that's your story's forward movement. And the square that's blocking the arrow, that's your plot hole. And until that square is removed or overcome, the story can't go past that point. So our goal is to resolve this conflict in the simplest, easiest, and cleanest way possible. How do we do this? Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to give our square a name. 
So our plot hole is the very stupid thing that we're going to call our character Jane. So the very stupid thing that Jane does doesn't make sense. But to make it easier, we'll just call it Jane leaves the room. That's our plot hole. This is the square. And it's standing in the way of our story. Now, nearly every storyteller I have watched try to fix plot holes like this. They tend to approach the story problem solving conundrum by focusing on the square. In this view, since the square is what is blocking the story, the square is a problem and that problem needs to be eliminated. So in this scenario, the square is Jane leaves the room. And by focusing on the square, which is this problem that needs to be eliminated, the bulk of the mental energy and the creative process is going to go into finding ways to restructure the story so that Jane is either never faced with having to leave the room or just never leaves the room. And that will eliminate the square entirely from the equation and the arrow can move forward. So to do this, storytellers are going to propose solutions, trying to find the best solution to eliminate this square. And those solutions will run the gamut from finding other ways for Jane to get kidnapped, to moving Jane to a different location, like maybe a house. And then we could restructure the story and set it up so that she's spotted through a window. And it's just going to be idea after idea that's gone through and processed. And the supporting ideas to make that idea work are going to have to put be put into a framework. And many of these ideas are going to be very viable in terms of story solutions. In other words, they will solve the problem and they will eliminate that plot hole. But the problem with solving story issues by focusing on the square is that while the ideas are relatively easy to conceptualize, they are a nightmare to implement. Because as anyone who's assembled a plot can tell you, building out a story is like crafting a three-dimensional puzzle. And you can't just move or reshape one piece without having to also move or reshape a ton of other pieces as well. So even the simplest story solution that arises from focusing on the square is still going to require an enormous amount of restructuring to accommodate. And since no change stands in isolation, by the time you've done the work to eliminate the original plot hole, huge swaths of your story will have been gutted and then stitched back together. And the final result might not even resemble your original intent at all. Is it better or is it just different? It's better because you solved the problem but would it still be better if there was a much easier way to do that? Or then does it become just different? That's where this all comes together. Focusing on the square, focusing on the problem, trying to solve your story issues by eliminating what's in that square is the most difficult way to resolve plot holes and story problems. But for some reason, this seems at least 
in my experience, to be the default approach. Like this is the first place people's minds go. And it always surprises me so much so that I, I struggle to even articulate like why to articulate the question of why? Why are we doing this the hard way? Because my basis of understanding seems to be in an entirely different universe as the people around me. It doesn't have to be that way. There is, I mean, obviously, or we wouldn't still be talking about this, a much, much, much easier, oh my God, so much easier way to resolve plot holes. And it is so simple and clean and elegant that I just remain in perpetual open-jawed shock that this isn't the standard or the default process for everyone. Now, I, I got to back up and be clear here that I am aware that not everyone automatically approaches story problems by focusing on the square. I would imagine that the more experienced you are as a storyteller, the less inclined you are to focus on the square because that comes from experience, from the experience of fixing problems. But at the same time, I have also witnessed very experienced storytellers solve it by focusing on the square. So to me, it's just, I've seen it happen so often that it seems to be more common than not. And if that isn't how you approach fixing plot problems, congratulations. And I mean that sincerely. This isn't for you. You have graduated the plot hole class. But for everyone else, when we focus on the square, that is, it essentially involves asking the question, what changes do I need to make to this story to make this square disappear? And all the solutions come from that. But it's way easier to focus on the arrow. When we focus on the arrow, instead of trying to figure out what changes we would need to make to remove the square, we simply accept the square and we change the question. Now, what we ask is, what change would I need to make to the story's logic so that this very stupid thing inside the square doesn't seem stupid anymore and it no longer violates the story's logic? To do this, we first have to look past the label. So right now, our square is labeled with the plot hole, Jane leaves the room. And that label tells us what the plot hole is, but it doesn't tell us why that plot hole is a plot hole in the first place. So in this example, Jane leaving the room is the plot hole, but when we look deeper into the square to ask why it's a plot hole, we get a different answer. And that answer is because Jane needs to be kidnapped for the story to work, right? So instead of attempting to restructure the story so that Jane never leaves the room, we look at what tweaks and changes we can make along the arrow leading up to the square so that by the time we get to the square, we have built a ladder right over it and the story just keeps going. Here's the point where I stop making notes <laughs> and I'm going to ad lib this and just riff off of it going forward. And I feel really badly about that because I feel that offering a solution deserves to be as detailed and intricate as 
showing how not to do it. And because I don't have any notes to work off with, it's possible that it won't be. And then it feels like cheating. Like I just told you, oh, no, no, you can't do it this way. But then I'm not offering you clear, concise uh, show and tell of how to do it. So fingers crossed. Here goes. I picked this particular example because it is its own kind of challenge. To restructure this type of plot hole where the issue is Jane needs to be kidnapped, it almost feels like you wouldn't naturally focus on the square because that's hard. So I set this up to be particularly difficult deliberately. How would you focus on the arrow, which is changing the logic, setting up the logic of the story so that it's actually easier than the changes you'd need to make this work by focusing on the square? There are so many ways to do this, just in general, like endless ways to do this, but they're always going to be story specific. They're going to have to be specific to the logic that you've set up for the character, to the logic that you've set up for the plot, to the logic that you've set up for the story, and to the logic of the genre. So offering something here, it might be completely off the wall in terms of what your own plot holes might be, but I've got to work with what I've got in front of me. So if I was focusing on the arrow in this story, And if I understand that the problem I'm really trying to solve is Jane needs to be kidnapped. And if, well, if I was doing that, then I would probably write it differently to begin with so that we wouldn't end up with this plot hole because the easier way is to just never have the plot hole to begin with. But let's say that I'm working on a story that this is just how it's written and this is what I'm working with. So looking past the label, which is Jane needs to be kidnapped, um, which is Jane leaves the room. Jane does very stupid thing. We see the real underlying reason for this plot hole is Jane needs to be kidnapped. So looking at the arrow, if I don't want to restructure anything, if I just want to keep it the way it is and have Jane leave the room and get kidnapped and use all the writing that I've already done, then I need to either change Jane so that it makes sense, or I need to give Jane a very, very compelling reason to leave the room that she cares about even more than possibly being spotted. And I can do this by also dropping other hints in the timeline. For example, let's say that her leaving the room occurs within the first 10 minutes of her being there, And the reason that she thinks it's okay to do this is because, A, she forgot her phone in her car and she desperately needs that to be able to contact her children who are staying with a friend and nobody knows where she is. And if she doesn't let them know where she is, like she promised, they're going to go to the police and that's going to create an even bigger fiasco for her. She doesn't have a way to contact any of the people who are on this team to let her know what's happening. And these people told her that they did not expect the bad guys to show up for at least a half an hour. So in Jane's mind, if she rushes out and grabs that phone right now, she can solve another problem and get back without ever being spotted. And it's not a big risk. 
to make those changes requires a few paragraphs, a few little alterations in some prior scenes to make sure I set up the foreshadowing, and I'm done. Problem solved. No restructuring, no rewriting, no tearing the story apart and regutting it in order to make the story fit a new plot to eliminate the square. Square stays. Jane does a very stupid thing. It's stupid regardless. And she can beat herself up for it as much as you want her to after it's over. But her logic for making that decision is no longer stupid in her mind. And we have changed the story's logic so that now both the actions and the logic are in alignment and very stupid thing just fades into the background and the story keeps on marching. That's as far as my notes go on this. I have so much more that I could offer with other examples that I was planning to go with, including going returning to that Lord of the Rings example, but we're going to have to save that for a future episode. I don't know if listeners will remember this, but it was a few episodes ago, we were talking about a, an HBO series called True Blood, and you gave a very similar example where the protagonist was sort of stuck in a ring of fire and you weren't happy with the way they dealt with all that. And you tossed out some suggestions at that time on how that could have easily been fixed. Right. Yeah. That was the whole, all they would have done was had to add this little bit of information and the whole thing would have made sense. And that was arrow type, focusing on the arrow type thing. Like you could keep everything the same. Don't have to change anything else. Just add this little detail, clarify this little bit of information, and you eliminate the plot hole. So this particular one that I that I chose, this example, is difficult because it's complicated. It's not just one small scene. It's a huge, like, this is the type of plot hole that make people go, none of this book made sense. Like, it's that big of a plot hole. Those are definitely going to be harder to solve plot hole wise then self-contained within a scene that's why we're focusing on them but the tendency of most people it seems or at least those who haven't yet had the experience to work their way through this process and basically come to the same conclusion is they focus on the problem this is the problem i need to eliminate the problem for the rest of the story to work. And so they twist themselves into these massive restructuring pretzels in order to do that when that is the most difficult way to solve a story problem or a plot hole. And I think the, the I don't want to say the gift, that sounds so just like, bleh, but the, the benefit of looking at this in terms of square, an arrow, the benefit of having those visuals to work with is that when you run up against something that would be considered a plot hole or that others are pointing out to you as a plot hole, you take a step, step back and go, where's the square? What's the arrow? And you figure out what that square is and you go, all right, now let's look past it. What's causing this to be the plot hole, whatever it is in your particular situation, the deeper thing that's driving the plot hole is obviously going to be something that you need to happen for this story to work. Instead of changing that, instead of restructuring your, your whole story, you go, all right, now I know what the target is to ignore or to just accept. How do I change the logic 
so that it's no longer a plot hole. It's so much easier, so much easier. <laughs> I, I don't know why that is not the first go-to. If you can't find a way to change the logic, if you can't find a way to bring all the elements into the alignment to build yourself a ladder over that spot or just disappear it to begin with, then you can move on to the hard stuff. But why do the hard stuff first when there's so many easier ways to approach it? And hopefully not many readers felt like I did while we were listening to this. <laughs> just thinking of all the instances where we have just created multiple plot holes by correct by trying to correct one plot hole. Yes, because nothing exists in isolation. This is, you have built a 3D living puzzle. It is going to live in people's heads. And it a lot of thought and work goes into building that puzzle. Every element matters for a reason, or at least it should. So it's easy to say, oh, we could just have this character do this other thing instead. Sure, easy to say it. But in order to make it happen, no. So unless it's going to make the story better, and sometimes square-focused square problem-solving can make your story better. And if it's going to make your story better, by all means, follow that. But unless it's going to make your story better, why would you do that to yourself? Because we're masochists. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really want to finish. Um, yeah, I, I just it's maybe it's just not how our brains are naturally wired. Like maybe our natural inclination towards problem solving is to attack the problem. And for lack of a better word, which is a weird thing to say on a show like this, is a lack of creativity. <laughs> so you address the problem and that lack of creativity gets you focused on the problem instead of focusing on ways to make it so that the problem never arose in the first place. And there are very few things in life that you can do that with. But when you are a storyteller, you are a god. You are a god in that universe and you have the power to make those changes. So it maybe it's just a new, it's trying to teach yourself to think differently in an approach to problem solving. All right. So I think that is it for this two episode masterclass. There may be more coming, but uh, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But I do have so much more to this that I would eventually love to get assembled and put together. All right. So thank you guys for listening. We will be back with you again next Tuesday. Thanks for being here, guys. See you next week.